Hello and welcome to the Upon Further Review podcast brought to you by Field Street Baptist Church. On this podcast, your host Cody Kitchen sits across the table from Dr. John Hall as he reviews his Sunday sermon from the week before. Welcome to a new podcast where we are talking about John's sermon from Sunday with the title of the message, Remember Jesus Christ. And he went through 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8 through 13. And as always, I'm your host, Cody, and John Hall's with me. Good afternoon, everyone. Well, it's good to be with y'all. And we had a great Sunday this past Sunday. And yes. The sermon um, was perfect. And we've already talked about this in staff meeting, but I think it's worth even saying it here is that the name of Jesus was mentioned more times in that yes. service, I think, a lot of times. I mean, yes. it is often. but From start to finish, from the music to the message to the end, the name of Christ was yeah. exalted. It was fantastic. Maybe in the hundreds of times. That's not even a, a ministerial exaggeration. Yeah. No, I mean, you should go watch it if you don't believe you should us. should count mm-hmm. every time the name Jesus. Well, before we get started, John, what are some first things that came to mind as you prepared this sermon? The first thought that came to my mind as I read that text was this is actually a very doctrinally rich passage of Scripture. You don't expect that in 2 Timothy. And I think as we have discovered on a number of occasions, there's a lot in this little epistle, which is essentially Paul's last will and testament, his final words before his execution. So my hope was that that the congregation would definitely see the richness of this text and not be quick to dismiss it simply because it's found in 2 Timothy. Yeah. We, we expect it in Romans <laughs> right. or John, Hebrews, Colossians. 2 Timothy, on the other hand, it's a bit of a surprise, mm. and this text is arguably a very rich theological presentation so there's a lot there that's good and that's good that you bring that up and it kind of goes perfect with on the Sunday how you started off I don't think it was a mistake obviously from the pastor's eyes that you started the first kind of point of emphasis which was the first words that Paul says in these verses is remember Jesus Christ right and I think that's where you spent some time and talking about Jesus and what does that mean and it was powerful and I don't know (laughs) I ask this question often, but if you didn't know Jesus, I don't know how you, mm. that Sunday, I don't know how you left not knowing who he was. Um, right. And You at least heard about him. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's a better way to say it. Yeah, you heard about who Jesus yeah. was for sure. And, I mean, you you gave us an in-depth of who is Jesus. <laughs> right. And you kind of went point by point of, of talking about who Jesus is. And one of the things kind of highlighting that I, I, I really liked is that Kind of at the end of that, you were saying that Jesus Christ is the one qualified mediator between God and man, the head of his body, the church, and the coming universal king who will reign on the throne of David. And obviously, you, you hopefully any pastor would put that in there because I think that's a big part of who Jesus is. Um, but I just love that you reminded us, I think, the importance, even people who do know who Jesus is. I right. think that was such a great reminder, which was, as you said, the point in which Paul was was sending it to Timothy of, hey, who remember who he is and the, the, the point of emphasis that he was making to Timothy. Right. Um, which I think was so was so genius and, 
and obviously helpful, I'm sure, for Timothy, because mm. um, I know it's helpful for me. So sure. I can imagine receiving that um, from Paul. And how you even talked about, even through the death and resurrection of Jesus, of how important, obviously, that is for us, the believer. Mm-hmm. But again, Paul was pointing to the fact of what Jesus had done and right. why it's so important. Um, and again, pointing that to Timothy as a reminder, remember what Jesus Christ has done, not mm-hmm. for you, but also for your church and yes. for the people that you're um, over shep- your overshepherd with. And anyways, and so with that, it was a really good start, start off point. And my question is throughout your life as a believer, how has your view of Jesus grown or maybe even changed? Yeah. Interesting question. I, I've been a believer since I was six. So I'd like to say that my my understanding of Jesus has grown from uh, being not just facts about Jesus, biblical facts about Jesus, but adding to that a relationship with Jesus, and then now moving. You know, my my whole experience with the Lord seems to be evolving, which I think that's probably normal for all of us that are striving to follow Christ, but it's evolving into now more of an awe and admiration. So it's really, as I keep adding facts from Scripture about who He is and what He did, and then the relationship you can have with Him and that I desire to have with Him and He with me and He with any of us who are in Christ, and then also moving to a place where you really admire this man. Like, even if at this point in my life, even if I wasn't a believer and someone handed me a book and said, I, I just want you to read this book. This this is about a man that's so remarkable. There's so much in there that you could benefit from. Would you read this book? And I, if I read the book, I, I don't know how I couldn't admire Jesus. He's easily the most admirable person who's ever walked the face of the earth. If you just analyze and study and scrutinize his life it, it holds up to every lens of scrutiny I, so I think for me it's just an evolution of you know learning elementary facts about Jesus sure. Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so to I have a relationship with this one who loves me and died for me and was raised back to life by the power of God to this sense of wow I just really admire the manner of his life his teaching how he handled people, how he handled opposition, the way he led the disciples, why we're, why and how we're still talking about him all these years later. So that's kind of where the trajectory of my understanding and sense of who Jesus is and is becoming in my own life. That's good. That's really powerful. And I think, too, even going along that same road, even in my life, I just look at, I mean, for me it was a right at about 10 years when I was saved. And I just even think about that. That So I was older when I was saved, and I even think about how much my view of Jesus, I think early on it was much about who Jesus is to me and what, and in that being what Jesus can do for me to now where I think what you said of, man, I'm so in awe of Jesus. Mm-hmm. The fact that he even chose me and allowed me <laughs> to, yeah. be, to be saved is beyond comparison. I still don't understand it. Well, none um, of us do. None of us could ever right. articulate why right. he would choose to save any of us. Right. So I agree. I think there's an admiration that's hard to describe mm. about who Jesus is. And 
you really did, and I'm not saying this again just to say it, but you really did such a great job on that first point to to really, for me, I won't speak for anyone else, really take that out, that he was exalted. I mean, there's no doubt. And if you were confused of who Jesus is and what he did for you, you can't leave that place yeah. knowing. Right. And and I know that's God's speaking through you and wisdom and scripture, but my point is, is that, man, you just... I don't think you can talk enough about who Jesus is. I think you could have a whole sermon on that first point sure. of, of who Jesus is. And so it was just, it was really powerful, and I appreciate um, you kind of getting allowing us to be vulnerable a little bit of how that has kind of changed in your life. Of, mm-hmm. I think it's I think we all go through that. Yeah. I mean, that's a part of sanctification and yes. the growing of, of uh, us as a believer. And thankful that God allows us to do that right? and that we do grow and we don't stay <laughs> right, right. at a constant level. So. It's really encouraging. And you went on to your second kind of point of emphasis where he continues with the statement of his suffering in verse 9 and 10. And I'm going to read this because I think it's important for what we'll say is, says in verse 9, for which I suffer hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal, but the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. Man, those two verses yeah. are powerful. And even knowing the background, as you kind of described, of what that background was, is that Paul was in chains. And he knew, as you've said before, that he he knew what was coming. He knew that this was his last kind of hoorah on earth, and he was in chains, and he was okay with that in the sense of he the gospel was still going to prevail. Yeah, And uh, you kind of made a point of emphasis on Sunday to talk about how serious the imprisonment was mm. and that he took it serious. And that you kind of emphasized the word criminal and what that word meant, but also made a point to say, but as he said in Scripture, that Paul's word or the, the word of God, Scripture, is not in prison, mm. that it's still working. Yes. I imagine, as we know in other letters, letters that people were coming to know Jesus <laughs> through mm. Paul being there right? and the Spirit working through Paul and also him writing letters to churches. I mean, it was remarkable what the Spirit was doing, mm-hmm. uh, even though this man physically was in chains. And you, you said that. Um, and you say, in these words, you say, quote, they may stop the messenger, but they cannot stop the message. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's so powerful to know that, uh, that as believers, you make this point too, is that we are to go to the Word of God because, <laughs> because the Word of God points us to the God of the Word. Mm-hmm. And man, it's so true is that we should always go to the, God's word because it's never imprisoned. It's never, it's never a lack of wisdom. It's mm. never a lack of anything. Right. It's God's word, holy word. And um, and so then you talked about, um, you know, why does Paul endure? You know, why does he stay in the race? And you, you talked about for the sake of the chosen people that he says in verse ten. And so my question is, what should we learn from Paul in his statement in verse ten about the chosen people? And that we should may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. Right. Paul says that he strives to endure for the sake of God's people. And the language that he uses in that verse, that's verse 10. If I can read it here. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. So he, he is enduring whatever circumstances have been his throughout his ministry for the sake of those that God is going to call to himself, to his son Christ. 
And so he, he sees a bigger picture than just his temporary circumstances. And he knows that eventually the temporary will give way to the eternal and the glory that awaits those who endure. And the text says if we endure with him, later on it will say, if we endure with him, we will reign with him. That's what got me was this, the price that we pay to follow Christ and to do his bidding really does pale ultimately in comparison to the glory that awaits us in Christ Jesus. And Paul says, I, I put up with all this. I endure all this. I suffer all of this. I'm in prison, and I don't like it one bit because I'm not here because I'm a criminal. I'm being treated as a criminal, thought of as a criminal, but he didn't really do, he hadn't done anything wrong that merited incarceration. I point that out in the message, and he was actually repulsed by his own imprisonment. But I love that he says, because it, it, that had to be a challenge to make that switch mentally. I, I don't want to be here. I don't think I should be here, and it just it rubs me the wrong way. But the message can never be imprisoned. Yeah. You can shut down the messenger, but the message is going to go on. And God is still going to use the gospel to save, to call people to repentance and faith in his son, Jesus Christ. And so I, Paul says, man, I, I endure this for the sake of the elect, the chosen of God. I actually did something I never do. I quoted a couple of dopey Greek, Greek words <laughs> and uh, just to demonstrate how it reads in the, lang- in the original language and how, how rich that verse is when you talk about the salvation component and the glory component, and I endure all this for the sake of those. Think of, think of what we endure as ministers of the gospel for the sake right. of the church, hmm. what, what we give ourselves to, what, we, what sacrifices we make, what commitments we embrace what things we say no to because I have a higher calling and a bigger picture of the expenditure of my life and I do this for God and God's people. And Paul did it at a level that none of us will ever achieve. And not that that's the goal necessarily, but the like-mindedness that there are a lot of things we set aside so that we may be singular in in our commitment and focus to the people of God, the the ones that God is going to save. So, you know, again, there's so much to appreciate and admire about Paul anyway, not the least of which is just his own big-picture perspective, which is helpful for all of us to keep in mind. You know, there's something else. There's something beyond this that we the contribution we're making temporarily on this side of eternity has a, a contribution for that side of eternity, the glory, the eternal glory. Yeah. Oh, you got to love it. That's good. Yeah. Anyway, that would be my yeah. response to that question, I suppose. And one of the things, I don't remember where in the message you shared this illustration, um, but I thought it's a good illustration and even made me think as you were talking about it. The illustration of when you ran the marathon. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, long story short, that when we got in the car, your daughters, one of your daughters um, basically said, at least you didn't quit. Yeah. And it's 
heart-wrenching to me. So I could only imagine um, what that meant for you. But the point of even why I bring that up now is I think it's just a good reminder of, and Paul <laughs> is such a good reminder of that here of he didn't quit. Yeah. He had every, not right, that's not the right word, but I mean every reason I guess to feel like he should quit. As yeah. you just said that he, you know, was in prison falsely and he yeah. wasn't there. But I, to me, I just, when you said that, it just was one of the things that clicked of like, Paul knew that. And Paul knew the importance of not quitting and why so many times he talked about the the endurance and the race and so many of his other letters mm-hmm. because he was there. He knew how hard yeah. it was to be suffering for the gospel, but he knew how important not quitting was. Yeah, um, that's a good point. And you look in the world today, and there's a lot of reasons why Christians would naturally want to check out mm-hmm. and, and retreat yeah. from a world that is very chaotic from our point of view and certainly from our perspective and who of us hasn't wanted to quit to to be perfectly honest when I was running that race there were several points in that race where I thought it would be better for me to quit and no one would no one would shame me for it you know mile 19 I remember very vividly I met Beth's father and Beth there was a place where, you, you know, you can get some aid. And they saw I, w- I was having a really terrible time. I wasn't sure I, I could make the last few miles. But anyway, long story short, um, there's some aids on bicycles. And they, they would, you know, like if you were hurt and they could give you some aspirin. or You, you just, you know, somehow you, you get to the finish line. Uh, anyway, the, the marathon imagery and analogy has served my thinking so well because I think that is what the Christian life is like. It's it's a marathon and it just we ask for grace to endure and to get to our specific finish line. We can only get there by God's grace and the help of one another, other believers who are also running the race with us. It's a perfect transition into kind of your last emphasis where we saw in verse 11 through 13 where Paul kind of concludes this section with an appeal to Timothy. And um, it was verse 11 through 13, and you talked about how some of those verses are believed by Bible scholars to be kind of a poem or a hymn. Right. And you, uh, you, know, you, you talked about, and I love this theological truth that you put in there, that the... The reality is, is that as a believer, we have participated spiritually in Christ's death and resurrection. And I think often, I don't say often, but I think sometimes we forget that, the fact that everything that had to go down for us to be saved, mm-hmm. um, and just even the spiritual side of things, we often, we, we don't fully comprehend, obviously, mm-hmm. for, for obvious reasons. But um, one of the things you said from that, that to me really rang home is, you know, you said, listen, your salvation in Christ is a call to endure, to persevere. If we endure with him, we shall also reign with him. Mm. And man, what an encouragement mm. to know that the suffering we have here on earth is for a purpose and for a reason. And again, I'm saying this again, Paul Paul knew that. And Paul, obviously through the Spirit, and such rich theology that came from that, but he knew it was going to be worth it in the end. Mm. And um, in that, you had a you had another illustration talking about an article you read about the de-churching, quote-unquote, of America and how these excuses of people who are no longer in church and why they're no longer in church, which was heartbreaking to me. 
and I've heard a lot of those reasons before, um, but you talked about, and the point of it was that that perseverance is evidence of the genuineness of faith, to remain loyal, and how sad it is that people are not remaining loyal, and they're not staying when things get tough, that they're gone. Um, and it was just really powerful. And so my question to that is, and I know you might not have a concrete answer, I'm not looking for that, but more of just kind of as we think about these things of how can we, as God's people, how can we combat or encourage those who have, quote-unquote, de-churched? <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. Um, obviously, you know, the Sunday school answer would be we pray for them. Yeah. We do our best to keep up with people, but that's very difficult. Yeah. And a handful of staff can barely keep pace with keeping up with you know, who hasn't been here for four weeks straight. Or It's a challenge today. I, I, I'm not sure I have a great answer that anybody would ever want to repeat because sure. <laughs> I don't have a corner of the market. You, know, you just do the best you can to keep, keep tabs on people, to kind of keep up with them. Um, so we have, you know, we have this multi-front, multi-prong approach, and we're trying to keep up with people who are faithful. Mm. And they go through hard times, and you try to walk with them through those hard times versus people who've bailed on the church yeah. and trying to keep them and encourage them to return. And you know, So a lot of it, I think, is just praying about it, asking God to stir the people. I, I, I don't understand why I or any member of the staff would ever be put in a position where we have to beg Christians to come to church. Show me that in the Word of God. Now, I realize sheep go astray, and the shepherd's got to go get the sheep, and we leave the 99 to go get the one. I get all that. But I can't believe the amount of time and energy we expend imploring and pleading and begging Christian people to be involved in the body of Christ. Yeah. I just, I struggle with that sometimes. Uh, when I read the article, I just found it off-putting. You know, I had a mix of emotions. I'm like, yeah, that really chaps me, and then it's sad, and it's kind of heartbreaking. And like, then you're scratching your head going, really? Because the point I made from all that is that th there's no such thing as quitting as a Christian. No. And I, I look at through the years, I've been here, you know, a while now, and I've looked at over the years, have watched people who would, I would visit them, and they would weep because they can't come physically to the church building on the Lord's Day. They're weeping that they can't come versus someone who's perfectly physically able to come, and they just don't. So perhaps I should turn the tables and ask you what you think. <laughs> you know, how do you, how do you, what are your thoughts about it? I, I just find it, uh, it turns me inside out a little bit when I think, wh why, why do we have to spend all this time begging Christian people to come to church? I just don't get it. And were they really among us? You know, they talk about that in the scripture. Yeah. They left us, but were they really among us in the first place? 
And then last night in my uh, New Testament class at the seminary, we're talking about the theme of Second Thessalonians, the seminary at DBU. Pardon me. Second uh, Thessalonians that one of the points of emphasis Paul makes in Second Thessalonians is that before Christ can return, there's going to be this great turning away, an apostasy, a turning away from the faith. And I wonder, are, are we all, are we there? Have we been there? Are we currently there, or is that still in front of us? And part of me thinks this is way off track, so forgive me. But you asked. I did ask. Um, I, I wonder sometimes if the pandemic lit the fuse mm. for the door to swing open for apostasy to take place, the turning away by the masses mm. from the faith, from the church, from the, the Lord's Day gathering. And I wonder, you know, not saying you can, and, I, and I'm, dry, I'm not drilling down hard on that, but I am asking the question, is it possible, and I think it is, is it possible that the pandemic lit the fuse for those who were, you know, not necessarily committed through the thick and the thin. Um, then I look at all the people in the church, praise God they're here at Field Street, who've really stuck it out through thick and thin, hard times, good times, lean times, rich times, times when they were very thrilled with what was going on, times when they were questioning it, but stayed with it. And the point is, I think, for people to keep less their eyes on the church and more their eyes on the head of the church, which is Jesus Christ. And so to whom am I committed? To Christ or to some staff member or whatever, my right. Sunday school teacher, you fill in the blank. Um, That's good. So, I, you know, I don't know. What are your thoughts about it? I'll start off by saying you might need to <laughs> ring me in at some point because this topic is one a hot topic for me. Right. And it drives me crazy. But with that said, I will also say, if I say anything that offends anybody, forgive me, because that's not my intention. Right. But with all of that said, there's this common vernacular that's been used, especially when I was in college, that I had to work through a lot, that we often use called church hurt, that we have been hurt by the church. Um, And in that vernacular, the meaning and the, the purpose, I guess, of the meaning that comes from it is that there was something that a church member did or someone did or even on staff did or the pastor did that hurt their feelings of some sort. And because of that, they no longer either, A, believe the church is vital and a vital option, two, they don't believe in Christ anymore, or three, they just kind of have are upset with the church. With all of that, I'm not saying any of that, there's no such thing as a legit hurt that comes from the church, but I can often think of my short 10 years of being a part of the church. I've been hurt by the church plenty of times. <laughs> you, I know, have been hurt by the church plenty of times. Why? Because we're sinful people mm-hmm. pursuing a, a perfect God. Mm-hmm. We don't do it perfectly. Right. I say all that to say right. what I'm about to say is, unfortunately, we often see church in the worship service, and you kind of hit on this a little bit on Sunday, and even this morning, we at Rut, we often see it as how can I be served mm-hmm. rather than how can I serve the church mm-hmm. and worship God. Right. And I think often that's where that word of 
de-churching or <laughs> yeah. church hurt comes from is it's all about us. And I've been right. there. I've, I've right. been in a dark valley where it was all about me. Right. And all I cared about was me. And it was not a fun time in right. my life. Right. I struggled with a lot of things. And this was when I was a believer. Mm-hmm. And so I'm saying all that to say, one, that I've experienced in that, that I struggled with that. So I'm sensitive to it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, get over yourself. Yeah, right. And realize that you're going to be hurt. Paul was hurt by the church. I mean, look, everything that he, Jesus himself was hurt by the very people yeah. that he yeah. could try. And so my, my whole point is, is I'm not being insensitive by any means, mm-hmm. but more, this is a topic that riles me up because it's, man, you hit it on the head on Sunday that it's, that we are supposed to endure, mm-hmm. that it's not about us. It's not about what the people say. It's about Christ, mm-hmm. whom the gospel is going to go out to, to the ones who don't know him. Mm-hmm. And more than ever, the church needs to do that. Yeah. I mean, we're in a dark days, yeah. and it's only going to get darker, as the Bible says. And so, all of that to say, sorry, you, uh, that just rouses. No, me that's up. a is, good response. Is just that we, that we, the church, need to stop worry, be worried about our feelings sometimes, and allow Christ to be the light. And that's hard. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, even on staff, it's hard sometimes yes. to, to put away those things. Sure, you get popped, and sure, it's not easy to. You know, buck up and go on. But yeah, I I, I think you have a, a very valid, well stated point. And I didn't even know there was such a a, a word. I, my daughters were using it a couple of weeks ago. They were talking. Oh, they 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 had some church hurt. Not my kids, but someone they were talking about. Yeah. I'm like, what's that? Well, it's obvious what it is just right. by the two words that are linked together. But yeah, you know, if, if I left the church every time that somebody in the church hurt my feelings, <laughs> yep. would hardly be here. Right. Um, so, you know, I just, I, I, I don't know what it is going to take for the church building to be full again. I, I had this recurring thought in my mind, and I thought it was going to happen after COVID, mm. that you know, where the church was closed because we had, we felt we all, we all felt we had to close the building for a period of time, which grieved us greatly. And we all thought myself included in, especially that once we were allowed to reassemble together, following the protocols that were established by the state, I thought there'd be a line standing out the front door. People just eager and waiting to get back in to the church building on the Lord's Day to worship. Boy, was I wrong. Was I wrong. You know, in our, our planning just on, the, on that topic, uh, we planned three services and no Sunday school, three services, and we, we social distance, provided the mass, provided uh, hand sanitizer, so on and so forth. And I, I just thought, this place is going to be full. And the first day back, we had 148 total people who physically came to church that first Sunday. So, man, three services is exhausting. And uh, we said, we'll do it again next week. I bet we'll have more next week. And we did, 149. (laughs) (laughs) So I learned my lesson quick. But praise God, he's. I think he's brought our, I don't think, I know, that as it concerns Field Street Baptist Church, we came back a much stronger church. Maybe not as many in number, but I will take the church we are now.
not that I was dissatisfied or unhappy with the church prior to COVID, sure. but man, the Lord has done a great work and, and to him be the glory. And he has worked and labored and moved and shaped all of us. I'll take the church we are now to his glory and for our good. So good. God's faithful. Mm. And that's kind of where you concluded on Sunday. It was yeah. such a good conclusion and wrapping it all up. It was, it was a powerful Sunday. It really was. It was. And, um, Thank you. I really appreciate you and your faithfulness to your word, his word. And with that, what are some final thoughts as we close? Well, I just, again, my encouragement has been each week that people stick with it in second Timothy, the believe it or not, some of the best texts in this book are still to come. And so I, I have been blessed by my own study of this book. I, I was not prepared fully for the richness I would find in Second Timothy. It's only four chapters. People can read it easily in one sitting. And, and I would encourage people to do that. Just read it and reread it and get it in your mind and heart. And, and then when we come together on the Lord's Day and gather around a specific text and unpack it, um, I think the blessing is just waiting to be received in yeah. that sense. But, yeah, I hope we'll have a great Sunday this coming Lord's Day that people really will make an effort to be here. Looks like we're going to get rain a lot this week, and I know yeah. that always encourages us. And There's a lot of reasons we should come to church. There's so much going on in the world that right now, man, we need the church functioning at a very high level and God's people being faithful. And so if you're physically able and you've, you're not sick or whatever. Uh, come to church, That's good. man. We we need you and you need it. Amen. Yeah. Well, now for everyone's favorite segment, or that stupid segment, where where we tell you what's stupid. And so I'm gonna do this a little quick, just for time's sake. And also, y'all probably don't really care about baseball, but I know uh, I don't. Uh, yes, a lot of people don't. But <laughs> if you have been living under a rock, uh, the the ALDS, uh, CS, our conference series, uh, was happening this past week with the Houston Astros and Texas Rangers, where congratulations to the Rangers. They pulled it off in game seven. But in game five, if you watched game five, there was a little incident that happened with Garcia, the, uh, the, he was the number four hitter for the Rangers. Man, he could hit. That guy's a monster on the field. He got, he got drilled. Uh, let me ask you back. He get, if he didn't see it, he hit a home run, and he kind of did some fancy work as he was making his way to first base. And the next time he was up, he got beamed by a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. Um, ouch. Ouch. By one of the Houston uh, pitcher, and um, Abreu. And uh, there was a little scuffle, or quote-unquote scuffle, just a lot of jawing going on. Yeah, the whole bench emptied yes, out of both and sides. even the uh, bullpens emptied out, which – Pitchers, they're hilarious. Anyways, that's a whole different story. <laughs> so then we get to some people were ejected, including Garcia and uh, Coach Baker, Houston Justin coach. Baker. Yeah. And uh, then we later find out that um, uh, uh, I just said his name. The Astros pitcher uh, got a, a suspension, which hey, as an Astro fan, I say he pro- he should have. I think <laughs> I think he definitely should have. With all of that said. Part of the controversy and what's stupid is the MLB then ruled that uh, part of their rules is if they appeal, which he did, mm-hmm. that 
basically until the appeal process is over, they play those games. So it was smart on his part because he could still pitch for the uh, game six. Mm -hmm. Well, then the the appeal process was game game seven. So yesterday, Monday, they came to find out that the decision was upheld. So they do believe it was on purpose. But his suspension would then be given the start of the 2024 season. Nice. That is stupid. That is That's stupid. like telling my kid, hey, you can still go to Six Flags and enjoy, even though you just did something that was not good, go and enjoy, and then after, we'll ground you. <laughs> that makes no sense to me. <laughs> and that's like stupid. That. that is stupid. And that's so stupid. I just think, you know, as an MLB fan, someone who I really enjoy baseball, mm-hmm. I think that just sets a precedence that, is beyond what it should be, yeah. and the, even the safety of the players, because that's why the rules there. Yeah. And and I get it, and I understand. It's not old baseball anymore, because that's how they used to right. to do it. And anyways, it's stupid. It is stupid, and I appreciate that that's you. Stupid. Yes, I appreciate you taking the time to point that out. You're welcome. Yeah, that's another reason I'm not going to watch baseball. <laughs> that wasn't the point, but I'm glad that's what you got. <laughs> that's what I got out of it. Is Sorry, stop, there'll be I'm not stop watching to baseball, numbers. people. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that said, I hope you watch the World Series. It's going to be a good I think one. I'll probably watch the yeah. World Series. So. It'll be good. I wouldn't mind even going to the game. Hey. But I was asking our st- students last night at my class, during Christian doctrine, no less, <laughs> they're all watching the game on their iPads or their smartphones while I'm lecturing. So I asked someone, what would it cost to, to go to the World Series game and one young lady in the back of the class said that uh, she thought it'd be around 800 bucks. Probably pretty close. So I passed. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have 800 So if one of y'all want to give us some tickets. Yeah, I mean, pastor yeah. appreciation. <laughs> yeah. That's good. I like that. <laughs> I think Cody would really feel appreciated Man, if someone I bought would. him a ticket to go yeah, to the sure. World Series. I would even – no, I won't say that. But, <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> as always, guys – well, that was, a, that was a disaster. Yeah. As always, we are so appreciative of the time that y'all spend here – as we continue um, to talk about the things that John has talked about on Sunday and preached. And again, we're, as I've already said before, we're so thankful for him and his faithfulness to God's word. But as always, as we leave, uh, we say, remember to make Christ known by what you say and how you live. Y'all have a great week. Yep. Thank you.